113 in the Red Book is one of my favorites. I believe we'll be singing that in the days to come. Amen. And there'll probably be a lot of what, most of what we sing once we get to heaven. Glory to his name. I like that chorus. I, that verse, I am so wondrously saved from sin. Jesus so sweetly abides within. Aren't you glad that he came to live in us? Amen. Brother Joe said years ago, somebody said, wave at Jesus. He said, oh, no, it's like that right there. Amen. I'm glad he lives in me, and I bless the Lord. It's good to see many friends uh, sitting in the house today. We appreciate good to see Good to see Brother John. This day he said, oh, JP, good night, Brother John. Grown man you brought with you there, isn't it, brother? And it's good to see them. And Brother Philip, these other men, Brother Mark, got good to see y'all. And I'm looking forward to hearing Brother Finney in just a few moments. I tell you, if you didn't hear, if you weren't here last night, you need to, you need to get that message. You need to get that message. Um, man, I laid there last night trying to, normally I don't have a hard time, and I don't really have a hard time going to sleep, but um, at all much. Boy, I sat there in the bed last night just thinking about, boy, I want all my appointments. I want to make all my appointments. I like what he said too, and I, I, I'm not I'm I'm not near as far down the road as Brother McBride and Brother Finney. But I watched it a lot in Brother Edgar in the latter few years I got to ride with him. He said it last night, he said Brother Brother McBride said the older he get, the more he wanted to hear about grace. And the more he wanted to hear about love. And man, Brother Edgar, if you knew him, you knew he was as straight as an arrow as there was as holy a man of God. But we'd ride down the road, and I'd go to meet him with him occasionally. I'd get to, I wish I'd have got to go more. This is what he'd tell me, Brother Brian. He would say, Brother Mark, he said, if, this is before I ever was a pastor. He said, if God ever gives you a church, he said, make sure you let them know how much you love them. He said, if I could go over again, he said, I'd do more to show them how much I love them. And maybe he was about to keep a big appointment in those verses that you preached last night. Well, he was, he was going to be, that love was getting large, increasing in that love and that love. And a lot of times some men will look at them and say, well, they're getting soft. Well, they might, just rem- they might just be getting to the end and realize what really matters, how much you love. And I bless the Lord for it. And, I, my, and he, something he said last night when he was talking about the man that got saved, and uh, the Lord made him go back and see Hazel right off the bat. That stirred my heart in this text this morning. So Genesis chapter number 16, let's stand together. And I'll, if you'll give me about 30 minutes, I'll, I'll preach and get out of Brother Finney's way. And we'll let the man of God preach. <clears throat> the Bible said, now Sarai's wife, now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. She had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into thy handmaid, or into my maid, and be me that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar and made the Egyptian after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And when he went, and he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. 
And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into my, thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord had judged between me and thee. And Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thine hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. When Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness by the fountain in the way to shore. He said, Hagar, I'll just say this, what about that? The angel found her and called her Sarai. Ain't it something that the devil knows your name, but he wants to call you by your sin. The Lord knows your sin and wants to call you by your name. Hallelujah. What grace. Which camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself under her hands, and the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son. Thou shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. You cannot be seated. As Brother McBride was preaching to us last night, God makes some appointments for us in our life as a child of God. I think about Abraham's life. There were some appointments that God made in Abraham's life to make him into the man that God intended him to be. Sometimes Abraham enjoyed some mountaintop appointments. At other times, he was suffering in some valleys of despair. Sometimes he knew what the taste of victory was and other times he knew what the bitter taste of defeat tasted like but it didn't matter what experience or what appointment it was that God placed in Abraham's life. God used every one of them to serve the purpose in building and molding and making Abraham into the man that he once was. I sure hope after almost 30 years of preaching something God's been working in my heart these last days I'm trying to be more, I want to be more like Christ. I listened to an old preacher said years ago, he said, we're trying to be great preachers. We're trying to be great servants. He said, man, we'll just try to be a great Christian. Everything else will take care of itself. Amen. If we become more like Christ, it'll help our preaching. If we become more like Christ, it'll help our serving. If I get more like Christ, I'll be a better husband. If I be more like Christ, I'll be a better father and a better friend and a better pastor. God help Help us. Uh, but God used the appointments in Abraham's life uh, uh, to make him into the man that he wants to be. Uh, I look back in Genesis in chapter number uh, 14. You can look in those chapters at Abraham uh, or Abram is battling some battles. Uh, and in Genesis 14, he had, a, he had an audience with the king of Sodom. And he had an audience with the king of Salem. Uh, but when you walk into Genesis 15, uh, all of a sudden the scene changes uh, and no longer does he have an audience with the king of Sodom and no longer does he have an audience with the king of Salem uh, but when you walk into verse 1 of Genesis 15 uh, uh, now you realize that Abram has an audience uh, uh, with the king of glory amen uh, and notice what he had to say uh, after these things the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying uh, fear not for I am uh, thy shield and thy exceeding a great reward uh, I'm telling you he's walking out of the battles uh, I mean 
and he's distressed because of the battle. He's disappointed in his own blood, in light. But all of a sudden, standing somewhere in the shadows was the voice of God Almighty. And he said, don't worry about the other kings, for I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. I'm telling you, walking into 2022 and all the unknowns that it has, I'm telling you, I'm glad that I've got a God on high who is my shield and my exceeding great reward. Aren't you glad that God's got a word for you in this hour? He didn't send us into this new year without a word from the God of heaven. I want you to notice three statements by way of introduction in Genesis 15. First of all, he had a word for their fear. He said in Genesis 15, 1, I am. I am. You say, what is he? He said, I fear not. I am. Thank God I'm glad. His word for their fear, he said, I am thy peace. This is the very first time in your Bible that you find the word fear not. I think about, thank God, if I told you not to fear, you may still have reason to fear. If Brother Whittemore walked to the platform, or Brother Finney, or Brother Doug, or Brother Brian walked to the platform and told you to fear not, you may still have reason to fear. But can I tell you when the sovereign God of heaven steps up in the gable into your soul and said, fear not, honey, you can sign the back of that check. of spiritual darkness after Malachi from Matthew. And all of a sudden the darkness and the silence breaks. And you say, what was the message? Well, the message was to Zacharias, fear not, for thy prayers have been heard. Thy wife Elizabeth will bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And then it breaks again. And the angel said, fear not, Mary, for thou hast obtained favor of the Lord. And he said, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and thou shalt bear a son and call his name Jesus and then on that Judean hillside the angel of the Lord stepped out of the glories of heaven and said fear not for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior which is Christ the Lord and this shall be a sign unto you you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger and suddenly there was with the angel of heavenly host singing and praising God saying a glory to God in the highest a peace on earth goodwill to men listen I'm glad when the prince of peace walks into this war zone of a world that you and I live in I'm glad the message of fear not still rings true he said fear not I am thy peace then he said fear not I'm thy protection I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Here he's just come through these battles. These other kings have their armies. They have their soldiers. They have their chariots. They have their horses. They have their armaments. But oh, Abram, he had none of that. But boy, the Lord said, don't worry about their horses. And don't worry about their chariots. And don't worry about their soldiers. Because I am thy shield. There's one thing about that shield. That shield was placed between the soldier and the danger. Aren't you glad for the day? 
way you got in the boat. God puts you in the ark. It was pitched within and pitched without. That same word where we get atonement. I'm glad, thank God, the reason you and I can make it. I remember years ago the choirs used to sing, I can make it all the way home. You say, how are you going to make it? Because I got in an ark and that ark is Christ. And there's something between me and the condemnation of God. There's something between me and the judgment of God. There's something between me and the wrath of God. And his name is Christ. I'm thy protection. He said, I am thy protection. I think this is something we might miss in our Christian life. He said, I'm thy exceeding great reward. It's not gifts. It's not position. It's not even crowns. He is the prize at the end of the day. Amen. Amen. Oh, at the end of the day that I get to know him, I believe Paul, I believe Paul in Philippians declared his greatest goal in life, his greatest aspiration in life when he said that I may know him that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Uh, can I tell you, you can preach as many meanings as you want to. Uh, you can have as many gifts as you want to. Uh, but if you don't get to know him, you missed it all. Uh, but can I tell you, thank God, as they sang last night, uh, the more that I get to know him, I realize I have found a faithful friend. I'm talking about when I'm weak, he's strong. Uh, when I'm down, he's up. Uh, when I'm out, he's in. I'm glad, thank God, when I got saved as a 13-year-old boy, I got in on the small end of something big. And boy, it just seems like every week, every day, every time I open my Bible, it's like God just pulls the curtain back just a little bit more and said, I am thy prize. A king of Sodom wanted to give Abram something. He said, man, I don't even want to, he said, I don't even want a thread or a shoe latchet from you. I don't want anything you've got. He said, I am. He said, because you're not going to say, you made me rich. The Lord's my God. Where we struggle sometimes is between the promise and the prize. He said, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. He promised him, I'm your reward. But the thing, the problem where Abraham struggled in Genesis 16 is a good picture of that. He was struggling because he had a promise, but he had yet to see the prize. Don't you and I get that way sometimes in our Christian life? We struggle. God's made us a promise, but we've yet to see it come to pass. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to operate in the fresh like he did. We struggle between, hey, we, like Elijah, Elijah struggled between the fire and the flood. Abram struggled between the promise and the prize. The thing about it is, he's as much God in our prize between those situations as he is in them. Notice your Bible. He said in verse 5, not only did he have a word for their fear, but in verse 5 he had a word for their faith. Abraham's looking around and all he's got in his home is Eliezer. He said, Lord, the only man I got in the house is Eliezer. Is he going to be my heir? 
And the Lord began to speak a promise into the heart of Abraham. The Bible said the word of the Lord came on him saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought forth him abroad and said, Look now to the heaven and tell the stars, if we bet thou be able to number them. And he said, So shall thy seed be. Aren't you glad, thank God, when our faith is weak and our belief and our trust is not what it ought to be, that you and I can go back to the promises of the word of God and you can anchor in on what's black and white. Emotions will deceive. And if you all always operate on when you feel it, you ain't going to operate much. But thank God I'm glad when the, when the feelings are gone and maybe when the zeal is waning, I can open a blessed Bible and it's not matter how I feel, if it's up or down, if it's good or bad, but that Bible's the truth. Whether the sun's shining or the storms are falling, he said so shall thy seed be I got a word for your faith he said so shall hey preacher man the dreams that you have for the work of God and boy you're struggling between the promise and the prize and I've been there 20 years and the truth is well Doug I'm still praying some of the same prayers that I was praying 20 years ago about the work of God Sometimes I do really well and think, Lord, I know you're going to do it. Then there's sometimes I do really bad and I think it's never going to happen. But I'm glad that I can go back to a word. He said, so shall thy seed be. He said, I've got a word for their fear and I've got a word for their faith. Now look at verse 18. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, unto thy seed have I given this land. Now brother John, I... I don't know all the Bible, but parts I've been studying, I know pretty well. I forget a lot that I used to, man, I can't remember the way I used to could. Years ago, my outline was about 10 words and three points, and I can remember everything I read from everybody and put it all together in my mind. My soul, those days are long gone. Amen. Times I study now, some sort of message look like a manuscript that I'm writing notes to, to help me remember. But I've read Genesis 15 backwards and forwards over the last months several times. And the Lord said unto thee, have I given this land? Brother John, I've looked through there not one time do I see any land changing hands. I see no closing attorney. I see no, I see no place where they're signing deeds or a quick claim deed or a deed to secure debt. I don't see where any lines have been moved or any land has exchanged hands. But God said, unto thee have I given this land. He said, I've got a word for your faith. I've got a word for your fear. But I've got a word for your future. He said, unto thee have I given this land. Can I tell you, I wonder what we're praying about in our Christian life. What we're praying about in our home. What we're praying about in our own heart. That in the mind of God, it's already done. Amen. I'm glad that we don't have a God that is bound by time. He, he operates in eternity. And when he ever wants to step out of eternity and get in your time, he can do it at any moment, at any time. You'll think, man, it's never going to happen. And then out of nowhere, God will do what he told you would do. Oh, Abram said, Lord, you're going to give me this land. How do I know you're going to give it to me? How do I know you're going to give it to me? Well, he said, get these animals and cut them up. He said, we're going to make a covenant. That word covenant means cutting, a cutting. He said, you get them animals and you lay them out. 
You say, how do you know Abram was in a covenant with God? Because the Bible said he was a friend of God. That, free, that word friend is a covenant word. Hebrews talks about him being the friend of God. He entered into that covenant. He said, Lord, how am I know? How am I going to know that you have made this covenant with me? He said, cut all them animals in peace. Place and lay them in place. And what they were going to do, they would have walked that covenant. They had to walk that, uh, that covenant, and the way they had done it, my understanding is I've read sometimes those Jewish writers right above my pay grade, uh, but uh, they would have laid those pieces out, then they would have passed between those pieces. The way they would have done that too, uh, listen, they would have started in the midst of those pieces back to back and they would have walked a figure eight through those pieces uh, and they would have come back and met together in the middle and struck hands together. Uh, but listen, what about that? Uh, uh, God knew Abraham had good intentions uh, and God knew that Abraham really wanted to do what he said he would do. Uh, uh, but God in mercy realized uh, uh, that Abraham could not keep up his end of the deal. Uh, and thank God the Lord caused a deep sleep uh, to come on him and he set him down over and let him rest and the son of God our heavenly father walked that figure you say why the figure eight that's that symbol of eternity I'm glad thank God as a 13 year old boy I got into something thank God that I can't keep my end of the deal but I don't have to because it's his salvation that he's given to me I'm glad thank God the reason Abraham could trust the Lord it wasn't what he was going to do it wasn't in his ability it was not in his faithfulness but God blessed him and said hey you're weak but I'm strong and what you can't do I will do and he said I will take care of your future I think about Abraham I think about David and Jonathan they had made that you're right you watch anybody watch westerns I like westerns you say, why? Because at the end of the day, the man that's wearing a white hat wins. The bad guy's dead. And the good guy rides off in the sunset with a pretty lady. Amen. I mean, man, good wins in the Westerns. I like that. But we, there's something in those Westerns that a lot of times we'll look over. When those Indians and cowboys would get together, they would become what? Somebody tell me. What kind of brothers? Blood brothers. You know what that is, Brother Stafford? That's a blood covenant. They would enter a blood covenant. There would be a cutting. There'd be a cutting. When they entered in that covenant, the first thing they would do, if I was entering into a covenant with Brother Doug, come help me, Brother Doug. The first thing we would do with Brother Doug and I were entering into a covenant, we would switch robes. I would take my robe and give it to Brother Doug and Brother Doug would put that robe on. And what he was saying is, in that picture of Christ, my righteousness is your righteousness. Glory to God. I'm not going to get in on my faithfulness, and you're not going to get in. Oh, but thank God when you got saved, Christ uh, imputed the righteousness. Can I tell you, uh, uh, the local sheriff's department uh, uh, may have a bigger folder on you than God does. Uh, because the old song said, when he sees me, uh, he sees the blood of the Lamb. He sees me as worthy and not as I am. He sees me in garments uh, much whiter than snow. Uh, because 
because the Lamb of God is worthy. And he watched me. This I know. Aren't you glad when you got saved? That prodigal son got his father's robe. I believe it smelled like the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. Oh, that flame, that perfume, it stamped out the, the hog pit. It stamped out the world. And when you got saved, that's what Christ did for you. The next thing we would have done, I would have had a sword or a spear, and we would have traded weapons, and I would have given Brother Doug my sword, and if that robe said, that robe said, I've given my, my person, my righteousness to him, that sword said, I'm giving my power to you, I'm going to give you my power, and we'd switch that. To as many received him, gave he the power to become the sons of God. Aren't you glad? Praise God. Hallelujah. If we operate, oh, Brother Rudy will pray. He'll say, Lord, please don't leave us to ourselves. And can I tell you, if you've ever operated in the power of the flesh, you realize you're not going far. But thank God there's a sword that's been given us and the power of God Almighty. He said, my power is your power. The last thing they would have done, switch, they would have cut their wrist. Their wrist. I think that's where his scars were, isn't it? Right there between them two bones, they'd have hung him up on Calvary. And Brother Doug would cut his hand, and I'd cut mine. And we would have grasped our hands together, and I would mingle my blood with Brother Doug, and Brother Doug would have mingled his blood with me. And we would have done that. It's not the power. But he said, I'm going to mingle my person with yours. Oh, Hey, friend, I, he is mine and I am his forever. Oh, thank God, aren't you glad when you got saved? He moved in to live in your heart. He circumcised that flesh away from your soul and moved in the spirit of God. And that's what he did for you. If, I, if I'm correct in my reading, Brother Brad, one of the things they would do, what we would do, if you and I would have entered into that cup, one thing they would do, they would take that sacrifice, those ashes off of that sacrifice, and they would pack them in that cut to cause a scar. That way, every time they looked at their hand, they would realize that they were in covenant with somebody, that they had entered into a covenant, Brother John. Aren't you glad? Thank God. He said, our image is engraven in his hand. I wonder if it said, hey, they're not scars on him, those wounds. They said, he didn't say, what are those scars in that hand? He said, what are those wounds in your hand? I'm glad our covenant's fresh on the vine of God. Amen, friend. And every time he looks, the song said, when he was on the cross, eyes on his mind. Let me help you there. Before they ever said, let there be light. We were on his mind. Thank God. I'm glad he didn't wait to Calvary. But to think about your salvation and my salvation. Up according to John the Revelator, he was the, he was the lamb, a slave from the slave from the foundation of the world. The last thing we would do, and Brother Brian, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I'm correct in my re- The last thing they would have done is we would have planted a tree to commemorate our covenant. That way, when your children and my children came by that place, there would be something to signify our covenant. 
Uh, I'm glad outside of the walls of Jerusalem, there was a tree. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. And that's what he did for you and I. Thank you, brother. Let me, I got to quit. About 30 minutes, about done. Let me just give him a thought. I'm, I'm holding Brother Rudy true. I built a big foundation. I'm going to put a shack on it real quick. If we didn't have an honest Bible, Genesis 16 would not be in the Bible. Because you think of one of the greatest patriarchs of the Word of God, and in Genesis 16, we see him in his absolute worst. Genesis 15, he's a man of faith. Genesis 16, he's a man of unbelief. Genesis 15, he's walking out the spirit. Genesis 16, he's walking out the flesh. Genesis 15, he's listening to the voice of God. Genesis 16, he's hearkening to the voice of Sarah. See, when you get into Genesis 16, everybody's acting natural. They can't figure out what's going on, so they begin to work. He said, are you so foolish to be having begun in the spirit? Now you're going to be made perfect by the flesh. Hello? Man, what happened here? We don't know how best we can tell that, listen, Abram was as wrong marrying Hagar as he was when he migrated to Egypt. When he went to Egypt, he compromised with the world. When he married Hagar, he compromised with the flesh. Amen? We don't know if best we can tell Hagar would have been a gift uh, while he was in Egypt and he brought her back, but it got so bad instead of winning her God, she ran away. See, their faith was missing. Man, when they started doing all that, they should have built an altar, confessed their sin, and got right with God. They said what the Lord would have done. But what happened? Abraham abdicated the, his headship at home and let Sarah call the shots. Sarah got bitter to maid, and the maid, and the maid fled. Abraham failed as a man. Sarah failed as a mistress. And Hagar failed as a maid. Every one of them acted natural. Everybody's acting natural. Let me tell you something. Just like you said yesterday, you saw that video. Somebody knows how to work. If that's all you got is flesh. Brother Willard told me years ago, Brother Brian said, if you catch them on flesh, you'll have to keep them on flesh. You, keep them, you catch them on preaching in the power of God, you can keep them on preaching in the power of God. Everybody all right? I'm getting to where I'm going. Look at your Bible. Let me, bar, let me borrow your Bible right there, son, and I'll be done. Look down at verse number seven. You're talking about grace. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm trying to get to, and I, I'm going to get out of the way. Brother John, it said, the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain in the wilderness, by a fountain in the way to shore. Could I preach for about five minutes on? He came looking for me. Oh, my. Here she's fled the household of faith. She's come across that wilderness. I mean, there's sweat dripping off her face. She's filthy dirty. She's turned her back on Abraham, of the patriarch of God. She's turned her back on Jehovah. And now she's going back all the way to Egypt. She's put the household of faith in the shadows and Egypt in her mind. And she's doing everything she can. But she's leaving a God-fearing place. Yes, it's bad. Yes, they were living after the flesh. But she's turned her back on the promise of God and now she's going back to Egypt a godless place a gospelless place and can I tell you the doors of Egypt are about to swing shut behind her forever you say how do you know that well 
he said where he found her in the wilderness of the fountain. Wasn't sure that was the outskirts. That was the fortified outpost of Egypt. The next day, she'd have been back in Egypt, and she'd have never got out. And I thought as I read that, I thought of the old song, standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. He's the only one who cares and understands. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you will find him, and you'll know him by the wounds in his hand. She thought she'd made that journey alone till he stepped out of the shadows. Now, here's the kicker, Brother Brian. Notice who appeared to her. Look at your Bible. Tell me who appeared to her. Who, who Brother Doug? The angel of the Lord. Boys, you need to underline that, the angel of the Lord. Because let me help you. So Bethlehem was not the first time that Jesus made an appearance in this world. Hello. Hey, man, Brother John, it wasn't the manger the first time. Anytime you see that little phrase, the angel of the Lord, that is a theophany, a pre-Bethlehem appearance of the Son of God. Here's the kicker, Brother Shane. This is the first time in the Word of God that the angel of the Lord appeared to anybody. You say, what about Adam? The Bible said God came walking in the cool of the day in the garden. But here it is. Brother Philip, the angel of the Lord, the son of God. The son of God. He didn't come to Abraham. He came to, he came to Hagar. He didn't come to a man of mighty wealth. He came to a slave. He didn't come to a man. He came to a woman. He didn't come to a believer. He came to an unbeliever. He didn't even come to a Jew. He came to a Gentile. Glory to God. Uh, what about the grace of God? Uh, that while we were lost in our sin, uh, He came to where we were in spite of our condition, in spite of our sin. He came looking for me. I think about these, I think about these shows, American Idol, The Voice, Nashville Star. Let me tell you something. American Idol's not coming to Hendersonville. And American Idol's not coming to Murrayville. It might come to Atlanta. Might, might come to Charlotte. But if you were just lucky enough to get to one of those places, you'd have to do the very best of your life to even have a hope to get an invitation to appear on one of them shows. But Brother Finney, you'd have to be at one of those shows, you'd have to be at the right place at the right time doing your very best. Hagar was at the wrong place at the wrong time doing her very worst. She wasn't trying to get to him, Brother John. Hey, man. I listened, I was watching I, I was watching an old camp video not long ago where you were exhorting about when you got saved and you was just going to that meeting to get away from that and have beer in the cooler and all that. You weren't at the right place at the wrong time. You were listening at the right. You were just trying to get somebody off your back. But what about a God that knew the intentions that you had afterwards? But he came to where you were and broke into your life and changed you for the glory of God. I'd say happy day, happy day. You may not be at the right 
right place at the right time uh, doing your very best but I'm glad we believe in a God uh, that can step off a mile deep in your mess uh, and rescue out of that horrible pit uh, aren't you glad he came looking for you that's unnatural we love people who love us she's running away and he said ah you're not going to get away I'm coming after you Amen. Hello? What about that? Let's be honest. Ishmael was not God's idea. Ishmael was Sarah's idea. You say, where's the mercy in that? What about Brother Philip here? God changes. This is what made me think about last night. What's the very first thing the Lord told that man that had been tied out there in that dog? He said, you go back and see Hazel. What's the very first thing he told Hagar? You go back. You go back. There's some repentance right there, isn't it? I'm turning you around. You go back and submit yourself to Sarah. Are you listening? But what did he do? That's not, Ishmael's not even his idea. Do you realize God could have cut Ishmael off right there and there would be no Muslim faith? There'd be no Muslim faith. There'd have been no August where we saw the people hanging off that C-130 trying to get out of there. Amen? But God in mercy looked at her in the middle of her mess, began to speak promises in her difficult situation. What a God. What a God who's rich in mercy and love. You can go to Genesis 21. We've seen the natural and the unnatural. But you get to Genesis 21, Isaac shows up. He starts mocking the promised seed. That old man, that old man mocking the new man. And Sarah said he's got to go. And the Lord told Abraham, it's okay. He needs to go. And Abram did the best he could. He gave her some bread and he gave her a bottle of water. It wasn't long. The bread and the bottle of water had was gone. And she had put that baby a bow shot away and they were going to die. And the same Lord that found her at the wilderness of Shire, sure, found her again in Genesis 21. And he led her to the well. She's over in that land of many whales. Abram did the best he could. He gave her a bottle of water. That was natural. But God did the supernatural. He said, that bottle ain't going to help you a whole lot. He said, but this whale will get you through. I don't know about you, but I'm glad in spite of my wickedness, in spite of my weakness, times I tried to get away, he just came looking for me. Well, I've never seen that through the years into this last year. What about that? A lot, he came to see a lost Gentile. Well, you thought if I'd have been God, I'd have been talking to Abraham. Even about how'd you run her off? You should have wanted to God. He said, I tell you what, what you didn't do, I will go do. Aren't you glad he came looking for me? Come on, brother.